It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk uh, again. Uh, we're here Tuesday, we're live, and i uh, going to have a great guest with me today for the entire hour, and we'll, we'll get to him in just a minute, um, just in case this is the first time you're, you're tuning in, um, as we kind of already alluded to, we, we kind of have some, try to have great guests on the show that have a particular expertise or background or experiences that, you know, can help us learn things. And, um, you know, as we bring in these inspiring leaders, you know, we try to have this conversation that you can listen in on and pick up on, you know, the things that they're doing, the experiences they've had. And so this show is really designed to give you that opportunity to, to kind of listen in, uh, fly on the wall kind of a, a scenario here. But at the same time, we, we give you that opportunity to, to get in your questions as well. So if you have a question, you can uh, send in right now, uh, at people G2, you can, or just type in your question and put the hashtag talent talk. My, my producer, Mike, monitors that and we tries to throw it in uh, over to me so we can ask those questions. Uh, we're here live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, but most of you actually kind of come in and listen to us after the fact, uh, whether it's on the podcast, on iTunes, uh, typing in Talent Talk, or you go to iHeartRadio on any app, device, browser, whatever. If it's iHeart, you can find us by typing in Talent Talk. We've amassed a really nice following, over 310,000 of you came in last week and downloaded at least one podcast or uh, iHeartRadio view and you know, kind of digested the in there and, and inter- really talked to us on Twitter. Really appreciate all that uh, back and forth. So big thank you to everyone who's following in regularly. I uh, really appreciate the support. Again, if you have a question, send it in now. If you have a suggestion on a future guest we should have, we always love to hear that too. But let's go ahead and get to my first guest, uh, who is uh, Bill Voigt, the uh, founder and principal consultant of Nimbus Communications Consulting. Uh, he's going to join me here for the full hour. So, uh, Bill, welcome to the show. Well, Chris, I'm really I'm really pleased to be here, and uh, it was a pleasure meeting you at the Employee Engagement Awards in Chicago last month. Yeah, it was a great event. Uh, maybe we should uh, go a little off script and we could talk a little bit about that event. Uh, it was a great event. I was uh, really privileged to, to be a judge for one of the categories, and I got a few minutes to speak. Kind of what was your take on the, on the overall uh, conference and, and, and event? Well, I think uh, there were two things that I think I, I was a, a little surprised at. One was the uh, one of the awards, and, and forgive me, Chris, I, I don't remember, but it was Lewis that uh, that was the person who had provided some information to the company and helped, uh, and, and, and really became a voice of the company for change change management. And he was just a, a line worker that was doing right. that, and how that was accepted. That was that was fantastic. And the other thing was that the, the project uh, to come up with 
some real gems and, and certainly having that gentleman. Uh, so maybe a little context here. I'm, I'm, I'm just dying trying to remember the name of the company. I know they're a pharmaceutical company that makes a lot of uh, flu vaccines. And But they had a one of the guys on this team. They essentially pulled people out on a volunteer basis and put them into a whole new hierarchy, basically. And it was their job to go in and, you know, deal with company culture, morale, uh, help find solutions for problems, and, you know, kind of re- bringing people in from different teams at all different levels in the company was just kind of this, fascinating in itself and then the things that they did. But like you said, here was this guy who was, you know, it's his job to, to work on the line, and um, it's an important job. He, he's certainly not senior manager, but yet he got up there and spoke very eloquently and passionately about what they had done and the impact they had made, and it was, yeah, it was really great. Yeah, it was it was really interesting as they were describing what they were doing of breaking down the the the, the normal structure of the organization and letting people interact across all levels and across all departments. It was like, are you kidding me? How can this work? And, and it works great for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know they have a real. Um, we don't all have the same kind of life and death scenarios that they have i mean they sort of shared if they messed up some you know if somebody made a mistake they might lose two million flu vaccines and that has a real impact into society uh, cost of the product uh, how many vaccines are available for people to use you know so the i think the kind of severity of of them finding solutions is maybe a little different than my company or company you know, where our mistakes aren't, don't have a life or death kind of a scenario to them. So they had a real real passion around it. So maybe tell us a little bit about your background, who you are, and uh, what your company does. Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in Chicago. Go Cubbies. Uh, we're all rooting for the Cubs this year. I can guarantee you that. Most, <laughs> of, uh, most of my career was in uh, sales of emerging technologies. Uh, and then about six years ago, I, I, I took a took a different different path. And what I do now is is that I expose people to to language that's that's used by leaders and, and really effective leaders do talk to people differently than than others do. So I help them understand some specific interpersonal communication methods that you know, I do this through coaching and through workshops. And the goal is to have people be very collaborative, to be very engaged, to engage others, and to be respectful and to improve improve relationships. Yeah, and that's a really, really important uh, uh, scenario. So you're kind of breaking it down into that, I don't want to say simple, but the more directed approach to talking about language, talking about how we communicate with each other, and then going in and, and helping companies kind of are you helping companies in general, or are you helping maybe specific people inside the company to, to elevate what they're doing there? It, it is it is specific people, and it is very simple, as you just said, because what we do here is it's so simple that anybody can can adopt it with with some practice. But it is it is individuals. It's in healthcare. It can be with physicians, with nurses, with with office managers within the corporate world. It can, it can be executives, uh, executive assistants, uh, first-line managers, uh, salespeople, and uh, even people in transition who are out looking for a job and have to sell themselves. Right, right. I, know I, do, I do some work in the kind of appreciative leadership or positive leadership arena, and I do some volunteering with people who are in transition, and that's one of the biggest things we talk about is the language that they're using in their interviews, you know, and they take that kind of a appreciative approach or positive approach into, 
you know, uh, when they're describing scenarios or describing their past jobs, uh, it makes a huge difference when you're, you know, you're giving it its best spin and you're, you're accepting whatever those things that happened to you or experiences that, that made you who you are and things like that instead of it being, you know, problems or uh, you were screwed or, or whatever those, you know, the language is extremely important in what people get from you as you're describing what is a really a parallel situation, right? But it's just how you do it. Oh, it is. That is uh, so true. And when, whenever I do work with people in transition, the the uh, fear I see in their eyes is that uh, they think they have to be a salesperson, and, mm-hmm. and they aren't. It's like, I'm not a salesperson. I don't want to be a salesperson. How am I ever, ever going to find a job? So what I help them understand, and I, and I call this conversational interviewing, Chris, in, in which I, I, I encourage them to stop looking at their resume and saying what they did on their resume and to listen to what it is that the interviewer, whether that's a recruiter or the hiring manager, uh, and to listen to what it is that they're trying to solve. So what I end up doing with, with, those, with those people is I encourage them to, first of all, be prepared by having two or three general stories about something they've accomplished as opposed to just spouting off statistics about what they've done, but have stories about how they accomplished something. And they have two or three relevant questions ready for whoever it is that you're, you're talking to. So when you ask the question, you can then clarify by listening to what it is that they have to say and then get permission to tell them a story about how you did something similar. And, and it gives them kind of a process that makes them feel, feel so, much, so much more comfortable because it's such a stressful situation. Yeah, you know, I wish that was a class that you could take, uh, you know, Storytelling 101. I mean, it, it, uh, some of the best leaders we have are just really good storytellers, and there are people that we, we tend to sort of elevate in our society. Anyone who can, you know, I, I, have, I have friends who are great st- storytellers. I have mentors that are great storytellers. It's sort of those people are, uh, you know, it's a communication medium that is just fantastic. And, yeah, it's not something I don't think we spend much time you know, helping people develop or talking about or putting any energy towards, right? Yeah, there, there are no classes on that. You are, you are absolutely correct. To a point, although we'll talk about that a little bit later, but in, within transition people, I, I had done some survey work with, with hiring managers, and basically I asked them, why do you pick the people that you pick to hire? What is it? And, of course, what I heard loud and clear is, well, you know, I'm talking to them, and I'm going to be interviewing them because their resume already fits. So I'm not so much interested about the resume other than, than, than to confirm that they're telling me the truth. But what I really want to know is, do they really fit our culture? Are they agile? Are, you know, how changeable are they? Uh, you know, what, do they have a vision for things? Are, are they going to fit into this role? And the number one thing seemed to be, I want to hear somebody tell me a story. So it was, and it was a little surprising to, to hear that, but you're right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's amazing to me how, how effective it can be. So, yeah, it's, uh, well, I, I know I saw a quote on your LinkedIn page uh, that was a, a favorite, and uh, I'll, I'll repeat it here so everyone knows what I'm talking about. And I'd love to get kind of your take on how, you know, if, if it's a guiding principle or something that kind of really impacts how you approach your consulting and coaching business. And it's from, from Maya Angelou, and it was, I learned that uh, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. 
So maybe you can dive into that one a little bit for us. Uh, that that is, I, I love everything by that. I teach everything around that because it is how people feel about what you say and what you do. And that's really important. I, I will always ask my, my clients, uh, my, my coaching clients and so forth, to think of a person that they respect and has had an impact on their life. And I ask them to describe that person to me. Invariably, it's never about what that person said. It's never about what that person did. They always talk about how they feel about that person, how that person made them feel. So it is the words that you use that make somebody feel that way. And, and sometimes we don't do that do that right, Chris. And, and, and talking about stories, one of my favorite stories to tell about doing it the wrong way, uh, I've, I've been doing this for decades and practicing uh, these, these principles for decades. But, you know, we're all people. Uh, we talk to people. Conversations happen very quickly. And you don't necessarily always do it right. So imagine, Chris, if you will, uh, you're in the back seat of my car. I'm driving. My wife is in the front seat. And uh, pulling along, and she has her iPhone in her hand. Now, this is probably, I don't know, an iPhone 4 or 5 at the time. She's had an iPhone since 1, but she's not a technology person at all. She just started texting a few years ago. But she's always had iPhones. And she has the iPhone in her hand, and she starts banging on the iPhone and saying, I hate my phone. And I said, well, well what's the matter? And she says, well, it's telling me to log in. Well, my response to that was, well, log in. And she said, well, it's asking for a password. I said, well, well, put in your password. Well, I don't know what the password is, she said. I said, well, you don't know what your password is? Well, no. So I said, well, where do you keep your passwords? Obviously, the phone stopped being the problem. I became the problem because mm-hmm. I was making feel, her feel very defensive and very upset. I wasn't listening to her. And then I even did something worse, Chris. I said, uh, all right, how many, how many years have I been telling you when it comes to computers, you turn the phone off, you turn it back on, and the problem will go away. Well, she did. The problem didn't go away. But two hours of silence did, did ensue. And, and then finally, after a couple of hours of thinking about, oh, my gosh, you're not supposed to do these kinds of things. This upsets people. This changes relationships. She turned the phone back on, and I heard her harumph, and I said, still asking you for the password. She said, yes. And I said, so it's never asked you for that. You have no idea what to do. She says, it's never asked me for that before. It's really frustrating. And I said, you're kind of lost. There was a silence, and she said, can I borrow your phone? I want to call the Apple store and make an appointment to get this thing fixed. She solved her own problem if I'd just given her a chance and the respect to do that. Yeah. And that's that's what Maya Angelou is, is all about. That changes those how you react to people changes the relationships dramatically. They're little things, but they make a big impact. Do, do you find that, you know, when you give people that space, you know, sometimes it might, I know this is from my own experiences, I see there are people that it just takes so long for them to get to there that it's an impatience thing for a lot of people to wait. You, you know if you give them the space, they'll do it. But it's going to take them so long, you'd rather just help them get from A to B, which, of course, is the wrong answer. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you see that often? You, you, absolutely. As a matter of fact, as I teach this, one of the things that we go through 
is the first thing I teach them is, is patience. So one thing you want to do is that when someone is saying something to you, be patient, don't judge, accept them for where they are, give them some space, and watch the magic happen. Because if you do that, magic magic will happen. Well, it sounds like uh, some really uh, great advice that anyone could take back and, and kind of implement into their lives, whether it's a spouse or a co-worker or a boss or an employee or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, I know you also kind of work with, um, you know, leaders uh, specifically so within the organizations. Are, are there certain things that you try to teach them or really focus on to really, you know, to help them be more effective in their leadership uh, capabilities? Yeah, the first first thing I, I typically have to do, Chris, in order to really be able to teach them anything is, is uh, to have them understand where they are or aren't in, the, in, in their communication skills. Because one of the biggest challenges I have is everybody talks to people, everybody has friends, so nobody really thinks of themselves as, as, as really having, having an issue. And, and I get that. I get that all the time. In, in fact, it was... Uh, one workshop that I did, I had maybe 12 people in it, and we were about an hour into it. In the first hour, uh, we usually take talking about roadblocks, things that halt conversations, things that people say that are roadblocks, like what I did with my wife on the phone. I questioned her. I tried to tell her what to do. Those, those are, are roadblocks. And within, uh, within Gordon, uh, Gordon Training International, which is where I've, I've been trained, there are, there are 12 specific roadblocks that people need to be aware of. So uh, in this particular uh, event that I was uh, conducting, uh, we're about an hour into it. We've gone through uh, roadblocks. People are understanding and thinking about this. It's like, oh, geez, I didn't realize that I talked to people that way. And one guy raised his hand, and he says, no, he says, uh, he said, I don't know what I'm doing here. He said, I'm really a, a nice guy. I'm a great communicator. People really like me. I don't do these things. He says, I, I, I think I'm wasting my time. In fact, he said, in fact, there's proof of that. He said, I was in the office of a senior VP, and the senior VP shared a piece of personal information with me that she never would have shared if she didn't trust me and if I wasn't a great communicator. She told me her husband lost his job. Oh, wow, that, that was really interesting. I said, so what did you say to her? He said, well, I said, get me his resume. We're going to find him a job. Well, everybody in the group all started looking at each other and said, oh, oh, he's trying to fix her problem. She didn't ask to have her problem fixed yet. I wonder what happened. So we, we asked, well, did you get the resume? And he had this weird look on his face. And he thought about it, and he said, oh, no, no, no. That was five weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. She's been avoiding me in the hallway. What did I do wrong? What should I be doing? So if, if people don't recognize it until they come to this aha moment, that guy, by the way, called me up a month later and asked to have a cup of coffee. We got together, and he said he wanted to share with me the fact that he had his aha moment that day. And he had been living with a girl for three years, and he had been thinking about proposing to her for quite a while, but something was always not quite right in the relationship. He never could figure out just what it was. And what he said was, he figured out it was him. He was the problem. When she come home from work, he would roadblock her. He would tell her everything was okay. 
denied her feelings about what was going on at work. So she would respond to that. And it wasn't quite right. He says, I figured that out that day. He says, for the last month, I've been working on this really hard. And I wanted you to know I'm proposing to her this weekend. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great story. I mean, and to get someone to have that kind of aha moment is it's probably the reason why you do the the work that you do and, and, and why you get satisfaction out of it. But that that's uh, and, and, a, and a great story as well to kind of top off what we've been talking about here. So uh, yeah. and I appreciate all by the way, sharing that with us. Yeah, for folks that might want to kind of learn a little bit more about roadblocks, I would encourage them to uh, go to YouTube and search for a video. It's just a two-and-a-half-minute video. It's the funniest thing I have ever seen. It's called It's Not About the Nail. It's not about the nail. And so anybody who listens to this, I would say just go onto YouTube, watch that. And this is about a person kind of like I was with my wife and somebody else is having a problem. And the, uh, the, the, uh, the film is just, just hilarious. Well, we're going to take our first uh, commercial break here. Uh, we'll be right back uh, with uh, Bill Voigt after this uh, quick commercial break. <laughs> Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. We're here with uh, Bill Hoyt, who's uh, walking us through some some really interesting parts of the work that he does, and uh, we're having a, a good time here and a good conversation. Just before we jump back in, don't forget, you can send us a question uh, to be answered here live by sending it to at PeopleG2 on Twitter. Use that hashtag Talent Talk if you can squeeze it in. Right? That way we can uh, find it on there. So, Bill, you kind of left us a, a video to watch, a link, and then we remind everyone any anything, a link or book or anything that we mention on the show, we always put back in a recap that we put on our uh, blog on peopleg2.com. So we'll have that uh, up in a few weeks. That'll be there. So in case you didn't have a pen or paper down, you'll be able to find that there as well. Now, I know that you uh, kind of base your, your coaching around uh, the Gordon uh, methodology. For anyone that doesn't know what that is or that's maybe a completely foreign statement to them, can you maybe talk through what that is and how you use it? Uh, sure. Thomas, uh, Thomas Gordon, uh, that's, that's a great question. Who is that person, right? What is that? A lot of people haven't heard of him, but, in fact, his, his, his processes are probably more used than any other 
way, I think that Kerry uh, Gaziorowski, who was your June 14th uh, guest, uh-huh. uh, she was on June 14th. She was six weeks away from delivering her baby, which means that about right now she's probably driving on the way to the hospital. <laughs> but one of the things she said she was interested in was parenting. Well, what Gordon started was around how to talk to your children. And uh, out of that came a leadership effectiveness program, a teacher's program, conflict resolution, and it's and it's taught literally around the globe. In fact, uh, they just had 10 people from Iceland just complete the program in the last couple of weeks, uh, that kind of, kind of thing. So it is all about a very simple process. It's a how-to, a very simple process for how to communicate to somebody who is either expressing a problem that they're having and how you respond to that determines how they feel, or you wish to address something with someone whom you wish would change what they're doing and you want to confront them about something, yet do it very respectfully. So that's what Gordon does. And and where that plays into employee engagement for me is that employee engagement doesn't happen if you don't have great managers. If you don't have people that can talk with their staff, inspire their staff, engage their staff, and be engaged with their staff, then your employee engagement program is, is going to suffer. In fact, uh, Amy Lucas uh, from the Temkin Group, who was speaking at the event just, I think, just before you on the agenda at the Employee uh, Employee Engagement Awards, one of her statistics she had was that of the people who said they were engaged, 75% said they had very good managers. So that, to me, is, is what Gordon does to help employee engagement. Well, it's probably the single most common answer you hear. If you ask, if you find someone who loves their job, that you know, you ask them why, and it tends to be something related to their boss, right? Or, you know, that they've got a, a great, you know, maybe leadership team that's really taken the company in a great direction. They have a good culture, things like that. And conversely, if you ask people who don't like their job, it's always they don't like their boss and. Or why did you just leave your job? Well, because of their boss. So, you know, good managers and bad managers seem to have the most impact on the companies. I can't think of any other, you know, uh, variable at the same level that has that kind of impact inside of a company. I, I so I so agree with that. And I will tell you, I, I think there are a lot of good examples of companies that, that do that. I know people that use the... Uh, the Gordon process, there are a lot of large companies either do or have used it, such as IBM and FedEx and Amazon and Medtronics and W.L. Gore. Uh, most of those people have their people internally trained on Gordon. And uh, there's one company that uh, I, I visited, uh, GFS, it's a food service company in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it's the largest uh, privately owned food distribution uh, company in, in the country and handles about the middle third. Uh, they they have seven people trained to be able to train others on this process. And in fact, no one no one ever becomes a manager or responsible for other people without going through the the, uh, the training program. And they have a great culture. Yeah. Now is that Golden State Foods? Is that who you're refer- referring to, or is it someone different? 
There's Gordon Food Services in the Gordon world. Gordon Food Services, got it. Okay. Unrelated, unrelated to Gordon Training. Just happens okay. to be the same name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, people in Chicago would recognize them because they they're uh, they have white semis with big red GFS letters on them. Ah, okay. Well, it'll be a, a group. someone will have to reach out to maybe have on the show, and we can talk about uh, what they're doing over there. That sounds fascinating. So, uh, I, I would highly recommend that, and I can put you in touch with some people. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. So you have these things that you focus on. You have a methodology that you're, you know, you're kind of using as a backbone. So where do you find some of the challenges, though? Um, you know, there may be must be particular areas that you find more challenging when you go in to do a training or want to affect change with particular leaders. It's it's uh, it, it goes back to the fact that uh, we have to get them to the aha moment because they're very skeptical coming in. I know that when my wife announced to me decades ago that we were going to a PET class, parent and fitness training class, I said, I am a parent. What are you talking about? <laughs> I parent, I talk to my children, they do what I say. What more do I need to do? So I was, I was just like everybody that walks in, very skeptical. And then I was told in our very first session, two hours into it, they said that when you go home, your child's going to start crying about something at some point in next week. Here's what I want you to say to them. I'll give you a break, you know. I'm the smartest person in the world. Are you going to tell me what to say to my children? So I went home, and sure enough, two days later, my two-year-old's playing with another two-year-old. Of course, they're sitting side by side. They don't actually play together. And my boy has a ball, and the little girl next to him takes the ball away, and he starts screaming, I want my ball, I want my ball. And decision to make. Do I go over and tell him he has to share, which won't stop his crying? Do I go over and take the ball from her and hand to him and say, don't take things from people? But instead, I said to my son, I said, well, you were playing with the ball and having a lot of fun with it. And he said, yes, I want my ball. And you'd like to have that ball back and, 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 and have more fun with it. And there was a short silence. And he said, yeah. And he picked up another toy. So it's getting getting people to that point is a challenge. And what I've found, Chris, the best way to do it is to ask them what behaviors in others they'd like to change. Because that's the other part of, of Gordon, is what do I do if I want to bring up a difficult subject? I want somebody to do something differently than they're doing it, or I want to bring up a tough subject. How, how do I go about that? And uh, <laughs> so the kinds of things that I hear people say, like I had a group of executive assistants in a room, and their main thing was, I want to I want to understand how I can gain my voice and speak up for myself because every day I'm in these offices with these senior executives, the CEO, the president, these senior level people, and I'm an executive assistant. How do I speak up? And so uh, we 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 talked about that. We worked on that. A few of them said, "You know what? I want to go tell the CEO that I want to raise. How do I do that? How do I do that?" Or I want, to, I want to take a look at uh, at other people's behaviors, like people coming in late at meetings and things. I want to talk to them about that. How do I do that? That usually then, that, that gets us past the challenge because now they're interested in figuring out what can they do to be more effective. Is there some level to that, though, that it kind of has to, you have to kind of maybe massage or talk about and getting them to understand their own value and worth in an organization? Or do you find that people who maybe undervalue themselves in some way are, are in that position you're talking about? 
Well, yeah, excellent point about do they really understand their value? And, and frequently, as we even the, the what I just mentioned of what they might want to change, what they come out with is exactly that. They're going to express where they don't feel that they're getting the respect that they deserve. Uh, that perhaps what they do isn't recognized enough. And then that starts the conversation about where they wish to be. And then they become more open to understanding, well, what are they doing that is opposite of where they want to get to? And those would be roadblocks. And how do they get to where they want to be, which is a very simple process, Chris, uh, around whether you're listening to somebody or whether you're confronting somebody. It's very simple process of restating, restating what the facts are of the case, what are the facts without being blameful, without judging, and what the effect is. So if somebody is saying that, oh, boy, I'll tell you, I'm really worried we have a new CEO. Well, okay, so you can, the facts are you have a new CEO, and they're worried about what that's going to mean to them, something really simple. And, and likewise, if you want to change uh, change somebody's uh, somebody's activities, it can be that well, you came late. You came late to the meeting without being blameful, and then a concrete effect: the meeting took us an extra fifteen minutes because you were late. That's a concrete effect. It's amazing what people will do if you keep it simple, and you keep it to the facts, and you keep it to what the effects are. Facts and effects. I like it. Facts and facts. Simple. That's it. I'm not an academic. I, I, I like things simple, and that's something that I can actually remember. A lot of a lot of communication programs, uh, you, you kind of have to go through an entire chapter when somebody says something to you to figure out how you're supposed to respond, what their personality is about. This is so simple, and it is transformative in life. It can be transformative. Well, I'm sure we could come up with some complicated Venn diagram if people want to make it make it harder, but. Sounds like if we can just, you know, keep it simple and, and focus on the facts and the effects, especially you're, you're talking about a, yeah, this is a, a situation where maybe you don't have a huge relationship with this person. There's just someone who you're, you you work with, but maybe it's not your direct reporter, is not your, maybe it's not a, a direct coworker, but is, yeah, you, you've had enough, right? You, you're tired of having these 15, these meetings go 15 minutes longer than they have to, and it affects everybody else, and you want to say something. And that it's great advice on how you actually, can go in there, and that's, like you said, a simple way for someone to go in there and approach that, you know, on their own and kind of kind of wing it for their first time without any sort of major training. Yes, yes. If, if people people actually give it a try, they'd be, be, uh, be a little surprised. Now, they might then also find out that if they practice some of these methodologies that I just uh, talked about, that they might start to understand what their value and their worth is a little bit more because they're going to have more conversations with people, and they're going to be able to see. They're going to see it. They're going to hear it. They're going to feel that, in fact, they are appreciated because they're opening up that conversation. They are being respectful to others, and others will be more open open with them, and they will start to start to see their value more than they ever have before. So you, you, before the commercial break, you had given us a, a good story about, uh, you know, someone – Kind of really having that aha moment. Um, I'm I'm going to I'm going to guess here that not everyone may have such a, a noticeable and concrete kind of you could point to it and say you know they get it. So are there other indicators for you? There are other things that need to happen that you, so you might start to think that people are getting it that 
you know, maybe managers or people listening who are communicating with their staff, they might be able to take as an indication. You know, because people are different, and they're, they, so I'm just wondering if there are different kind of they get it moments that you might that you generally see. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, Chris, that's a, a good question. It kind of goes a lot of different ways, too. I'm not sure which way to, to answer the question, but I'll, I'll take it down the path of how do I know that somebody actually understands it, mm-hmm. understands the principle. And for me, it's, it's really easy because I get feedback. People will call me and say, oh, my gosh, you won't believe what happened. So I get, I get that. For people that are, are, are practicing it, uh, it's going to be more subtle for them. They're going to be little things. Uh, relationships will be better. Uh, people people will will not avoid them in the hallways. <laughs> those those kinds of things. Does, does that kind of get to where your question was? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's um, because if you're coming in as an outside person, and they might at first be skeptical and nervous, and you know, have their walls up. But if they are starting to get it, and then you build trust. You're now also an independent. They might be more likely to share with you, I guess, in some cases that they're seeing a change, they're seeing this. But with our, I guess maybe with their direct managers or somebody who they're working with every day that maybe, you know, they don't want to have that, uh, what's the word? They don't want to be quite so bare. They don't want to be quite so exposed, let's say, in, in some situations. And so it can be a challenge for managers to, to really, are they getting it? Do they really understand and are they are they really looking to make a change? You know. Yeah, yeah. And you know, for me, going in and, and meeting people uh, for the for the first for the first time, it is so critical that I do exactly what I am training managers to do, and that is not to tell them what they should be, not to judge them, but to actively listen. In the phrase "active listening," you've probably heard that phrase. Mm-hmm. That 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 is a fairly common phrase. But it was popularized by Gordon in the 60s with his current effectiveness training. Uh, before that, it was bandied about around Ohio State University psychiatrists. But it was Gordon that really took it into the into the mainstream. So it's about actively about listening. And by active listening, it simply means understanding and communicating what the facts are and what the effects are upon the other person or upon you. So one way that I have... Kind of try to communicate active listening and the way I interpreted it with people I work with. And so I'd love to get your opinion. Maybe you disagree or, or have a different way to put it. But, you know, it's a kind of simple saying of, you know, are, are you listening to someone to respond to them or are you listening to them to understand them? And for me, that was my aha moment when I realized that when people were talking, I was immediately thinking about what my response was going to be. I immediately had the information, I had a solution for them, I had a suggestion, what I had a story, whatever it was, um, and I wasn't really listening then. Is, is, does that fall in line with, where, with what you're talking about with your clients? Chris, that is so perfect because the very first thing that we do in our workshop is we have people try to restate what somebody just said to them. It is so hard for people to do because we don't think about doing that. But as, as, as I think I might have shared the uh, book with you, but uh, the book Yes And, mm-hmm. and it's written by Kelly Leonard and Tom Yorton. And Yes And is, is kind of the, the Bible, if you will, the instruction guide for improv comedy. That all improv comedians for decades have been trained on whatever somebody 
Bobby says to you, don't disagree with them. Understand it. Make sure you know what it is, and then add add to it. So yes, and it is really, really important that somebody be able to understand. Well, what's interesting to me about the yes and book is that it is it is almost a duplicate of what Gordon teaches, and and, and they have they have exercises just like I have the exercises from Gordon in which somebody uh, will take a situation, someone says something to them, they try to make sure that they actually heard it and can repeat it in some fashion. They do exactly the same thing, and one of their their very first exercise that they use with people, I think, is just fantastic. It's such a simple one, and that is about answering a question. So, so Chris, I'm going to be unfair here. I'm going to ask you a question. What is your favorite color? Red. Uh, if you could buy any car and price was not an option, what would it be? Bugatti. Okay. You do what we all do every time. You gave me the answers. I heard them. I'm not sure I could repeat them, by the way, but I did. I, I know you said them. Right. What What Yes And teaches is it's hard to repeat what somebody said. So if somebody asks you a question, take a word, take a word out of the question, and use that word or put the answer, put the question into your answer. Build it into the answer. And what you'll find is, number one, it's safe to do, it's easy to do, and you'll find that people are more engaged in what you have to say about the answer. So I thought, well, this is great. And then last year, uh, this was in December, uh, our local television, one of our local television stations, the weatherman on Friday mornings at 7 o'clock, would have on with him a 9- or 10-year-old child who would go on and would go on camera and give the weather. So before... Before they actually go on to give the weather, he would sit down with them in front of the camera and talk with them and ask them questions. And this particular day, he had this little girl on from a school in the north side of Chicago. And uh, he said, well, what grade are you in? She says, well, uh, I'm, in, I'm in the fifth grade. And, and uh, so what's your favorite subject? Well, you know, my favorite subject really is this, although I also like that. Oh, and and uh, how about uh, you know how about your your teacher? What's your teacher's name? Oh, my my teacher is so and so. Every single question he asked, she built the answer into it. I have to tell you, I listened to every one of them. Right. So so yes, and is a great book for people to pick up and take a look at because it has a lot of the same principles as as Gordon. They even mentioned active listening in it, although neither Kelly nor Tom ever heard of Thomas Gordon, but it's a great, it's a great book. Yeah, it'd be a fun one to, uh, to really get the idea, but it's sort of a, it's a parallel, but not, it's not really a business book. It's not academic. It's, but you know, it's for, for improv comedy. So you get a completely different take on it, but yet, you know, kind of learn some of that, that, that stuff that's really important. But I, I, I love what you're suggesting because it's, it's easy and digestible for people just to take a few of those words and reinsert it into your answer. Um, and that also gives you the ability to have, if you want to have more, you kind of mentioned uh, some of your clients, they want to have that strength. They want to have that ability to, 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 to speak their mind. That's, an, that's another way to do it is to find a way to have more to say than just that simple answer of what you're being asked, right? You got it. So uh, I know uh, we're getting close to the end here. I want to make sure we ask you some of our important questions. You, you did a, 
already suggest one great book for us. Do you, do you have any other books that you're maybe currently reading or you've recently read that you think uh, you know, our listeners might want to take a look at? One of my favorites, because it fits right in line with what we're talking about here, is a book called Getting Naked. It, that's not the Sam on your radio program that way. It's by Patrick Lencioni. <laughs> and uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick has written a number of very interesting fables uh, about the work world. And Getting Naked is a great, fun book about a consulting company in Half Moon Bay, California. A small one is being acquired by a big one, and they operate very differently than the big company. And the bottom line is they are very successful. And if you read that and you compare that to what we have been talking about here today about engaging employees, they engage their clients the exact same way. It is just just a, a fun a fun read. And, and in his case, you know, it was, do we really worry about the bottom line? Or what is it that we need to really, really worry about foremost here? And, you know, my, my feeling on that as I read that was, you know, without a great bottom line, it's really hard to have a good culture. And But yet without a good culture, who wants to work for a company even if it has a great, a great bottom line? And uh, I think one of the interesting things I've seen is, um, have you ever heard of The Prophet, the, the reality TV show with Marcus Lemonis? I think so. I, I'm not sure I've really seen, seen it, but I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he's, so he's a guy with a big, fat checkbook, and he'll, go in, he'll be brought into a small company who's struggling and is asking for help. And their, their, their hope is that Marcus will come in and write him a big, fat check and make him better. But when he comes in, it's not just the money that they're going to get. They're going to have to, you know, if they have to change process, they're going to have to change process, and, and Marcus knows how to do that. So the show is made up of him looking at the process and changing the processes. And occasionally he runs into a situation where he doesn't need to change any process. It's really about the bottom line is great. It's the culture that's the problem. It's the culture. And he's walked away from opportunities because the culture was so toxic. He didn't want to deal with it, and he didn't think he could change it. I would recommend that for people as well. Well, all those are great uh, suggestions sound fascinating. We have some videos. You have a show to watch. You have a few books as well. All great stuff. Uh, fill up your week. If, uh, you did, if you didn't have any viewing or, or reading uh, on your list, you have some now. So uh, you know, we've, we've talked a, a, about a lot of different things uh, here today. You know, if, if someone was uh, listening in right now, what, what, what are some of the big takeaways? What are some of the things you think they should have definitely heard or should definitely remember going back to work uh, here later today or tomorrow that you might really help them? Okay. What, what I would hope that people take away from this is what I ask them to do whenever they walk out of a workshop, and that is think about what they were just told about how to speak to somebody and go try it. So it would be that the next time somebody asks you a question, include the answer in the question, and, and then start, watch, start, watch, start watching what happens to your mindset as you listen to people. Avoid, avoid those roadblocks. Avoid those things like I did with my wife and so forth. Don't start judging right away. Be patient. Avoid the roadblocks. And also, observe other people. Observe those that they, that they think are really being effective and see if, in fact, they are doing this listening piece, the facts, the effects. You'll probably find that they are. So, one is, Start including the answer to the question that's going to change who you are. 
avoid the roadblocks, to avoid being who you are sometimes, be slow to judge, that's going to help the other people, and finally observe others. Well, this has uh, been fantastic stuff, Bill. I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, how can people get a hold of you and learn more about uh, Nimbus uh, Communication Consulting? Yeah, well, you know, my email address is simple. It's bill at nimbuscommunication.com. And uh, go to my website, Nimbus Communication. is out there, although it's going to be in revamping here shortly. But uh, uh, that's that's one way to do it. Or they can, um, they can uh, reach me on my phone. It's basically me and some associates that I have that do other things. Well, Bill, again, thank you for having, uh, you know, taking the time to, to be on the show. And uh, hopefully we have you come back at some point and give us an update and uh, keep the conversation going. Thank you, Chris. All right. Thank you to everyone who's listening live and uh, or if you came in on the podcast. Uh, really appreciate it. Hopefully you've gained something that uh, you can take. Uh, to your own career. Next week, uh, we'll have another Best of the Talent Talk. I'll be out of town at a conference, so hopefully we can uh, find a good episode to, to replay, but then we'll be back the following week. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio Show. Brought to you by People G2.